This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Nancy Benson. This week, Star Trek comes to life with a real tricorder, a remote diagnosing machine. When Dr. McCoy had this on the Starship Enterprise, he would wave it over his patients, and then it would give him readings. The beauty of it, it was a completely non-invasive device. Science fiction becomes reality yet again when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Reed Pence, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy Radio Health Journal, you'll also like Viewpoints, our sister show covering current affairs. This week on Viewpoints. For a long time, it was probably the most important factor in my life in that it um, dictated a lot of what I did and it influenced almost everything else. The brutal reality of obsessive compulsive disorder. Then, one man's story of processing grief and living life. All that and more this week on Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station, iTunes, and Stitcher. Most TV shows that last only three years don't live on forever. One exception is Star Trek. Since its premiere in 1966, it's had an outsized cultural influence, spawned dozens of catchphrases, and eventually multiple spin-offs and movies. Like any science fiction, from Jules Verne to Buck Rogers, Star Trek introduced its own world of futuristic gadgets. Some of those are becoming reality. For example, to some people, communicators seem a lot like cell phones. And the five-year Qualcomm Tricorder X-Prize competition has declared a winner of its $2.6 million first prize for the production of a real Tricorder, a remote medical diagnosing device. Appropriately enough, the winning team was led by a Star Trek fan. In a former life, before I went into medicine, I was an engineer. And I think as a prerequisite for all engineers is that you have to uh, enjoy science fiction. I certainly was inspired by it growing up. Star Trek, among other science fiction stories, really, I think, inspired a whole slew of people (laughs) to go into uh, science, technology, and engineering. Dr. Basil Harris is an emergency room doctor at Lankanau Medical Center near Philadelphia and leader of Final Frontier Medical Devices, a team of seven guys whose years of effort resulted in an iPad-based device they call Dexter. It's got a little mashup of DX in uh, the medical lingo is diagnosis, and the T for tricorder and then ER for the ER work that I do. In the original Star Trek series, Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy would wave his tricorder sensor over a patient and the readout on the device would allow him to diagnose just about anything. The Dexter device is similar. It's still not up to the level of what Dr. McCoy would have in his hand, but you got to realize we're 200 years or so from that event of Dr. McCoy on the spaceship, so we're, we're well ahead of the game in our development. But in some respects, it's actually more advanced. So, for example, when Dr. McCoy had this on the Starship Enterprise, he would wave it over his patients, and then it would give him readings. The beauty of it, it was a completely non-invasive device. You could just look at it as the physician. He would get all the readings, 
And then you would come up with what was going on with the patient. And famously, he would say, he's dead, Jim, after he would scan him. The XPRIZE competition demanded something similar. The non-invasiveness of the device is extremely important. So there's a blood pressure sensor that's measuring your blood pressure without using a cuff. There are some non-invasive sensors. Some of this stuff we already employ in the hospitals on a daily basis. You think of a little probe on your finger that's measuring your oxygen saturation with a little light sensor. And so we took that a step further, and we're not only getting the oxygen saturation, but getting a hemoglobin concentration, a white cell concentration, and a glucose concentration. I don't want to overstate what the device can do. We're just getting really a rough idea of the glucose. So it's putting it into some buckets where it's low or it's medium or it's high or it's in the normal range. So really happy with that level of detail right now. But we're really trying to expand that and get it into a little more granularity. So that's what our next generation device we're testing now is working on. The XPRIZE competition demanded that the device be able to detect a whole variety of illnesses as well. So the competition, really, it was a demonstration project to show what kind of things could this device do. So they picked 13 conditions, medical diagnoses that were pretty varied, some that were from acute illnesses, chronic diseases, infectious diseases, and other stuff that was really to show the breadth of what a device like this could do. So there were conditions like pneumonia and urinary tract infections and strep throat, pertussis, and then there were chronic conditions like COPD, diabetes, hypertension, common ailments that plague many of us. And it was really kind of to show like a demonstration of what was the variety a simple all-purpose device could do. However, the XPRIZE competition demanded more. Harris says the teams had to program the doctor into the device as well. So the tricorder making it to the finals was equipped with artificial intelligence to be able to make a reliable diagnosis as well as get readings. A complete layman had to be able to use it. So that's what really got me thinking. This is basically what I do in the emergency room every day. You know, patients are coming in all the time. They come in with their symptoms, their signs. We look at their vital signs, run tests, try and figure out what's going on with them and come up with a diagnosis. So basically, it's like a little doctor in the device. In fact, one of the final tests in the XPRIZE competition put the devices in the hands of average people to see if they could make it work. But Harris doesn't see tricorders as something that will replace doctors. This is meant to be a tool to help people interface better with their providers. It's not there to replace doctors. So this is something that I envision that would be part of your health kit at home Something that you can go to when you're trying to figure out what's going on with these symptoms, what's going on with my child, with my parent, you know, that someone that is ill at home. And that information uh, will be useful not only to you, but that information will be useful to your provider. I imagine it's time where I'm in the ER and someone comes in with a device like this. Hey, I have this tricorder and it told me I have pneumonia. These are my vital signs from home and this is my results of my tests. And I want to get to the point with development where we can trust that data and move to the next step and say, hey, yes, this is great. We have the vitals from home. We have information 
a reasonable diagnosis, and this is what the next steps that we have to take. The XPRIZE competition is designed to help developers take their products to market. Harris says that's where most of the prize money will go. But with a medical device, it's a long, hard process getting approval from the FDA. He's using the Dexter tricorder at his hospital, and he expects that approval will come in stages. The next couple of years, we'll start seeing the first components coming out onto the market, things that will help assist your provider, assist patients in getting their vital signs, in understanding some basic conditions. The artificial intelligence support is going to be a little trickier to get out onto the market. And in reality, that stuff is going to have to earn our trust as providers, our trust as the public. So it's got a long way to go to prove itself. And that, he says, could take five to ten years. You can find out more about all our guests on our website, RadioHealthJournal.net. Our production director is Sean Waldron. I'm Nancy Benson. Medical notes this week. The United States is in the middle of its worst flu season in nine years. And millions of us have gone to the doctor for a five-day Tamiflu treatment after we've gotten sick. But a Japanese drug maker says it's come up with a treatment that can make people better in just one day and one dose. The Wall Street Journal reports on clinical trials showing the drug is three times faster than any anti-flu drug now in the market. However, it won't be available in the U.S. until at least next year. Scientists have zeroed in on what causes many cases of colitis and chronic inflammatory bowel disease, what most people call the 24-hour stomach flu. In reality, that's usually a case of food poisoning, not the flu, and it happens more often than we think. A study in the journal Science shows that if a person keeps getting intestinal upsets often enough, it can create a deficiency in an enzyme in the gut, prompting severe, permanent problems. And finally, people who are tall have a whole variety of advantages, but in at least one respect, being short is good for your health. A study in the journal Circulation Cardiovascular Genetics shows that short people are much less likely to develop blood clots in the veins, the third leading cause of heart attack and stroke. Scientists say that women who are 5 feet 1 or less are nearly 70% less likely to have a blood clot compared to women who are 6 feet or taller. Researchers aren't sure why. It may simply be the effects of gravity on longer veins. And that's Medical Notes this week. Thank you for listening to Radio Health Journal, a production of MediaTrax Communications. If you enjoyed this week's show, please leave a review on iTunes or share it with a friend. You can find more Radio Health Journal stories about health, science, and technology on iTunes, Stitcher, and at RadioHealthJournal.net.